Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. When there are an infinite amount of female struggles, you decide to do a podcast about them. Joe Real Davis and in each episode of this podcast I take a subject by the horns and rip it to shreds. This is the podcast that isn't afraid to talk about any struggle you've had as a woman from struggling with your body image. You do get some people commenting saying like you look like a man and women shouldn't look like this and actually I loved it when I got six pack. To wondering whether marriage is the right thing for you. To say that I'm committing myself to you for the rest of my life until my last breath that just seems like a really stupid thing to Say. So even having a cervical smear test. I need to yeah. take my trousers and my knickers off. Yeah. Ooh. Let me know if it hurts. Oh, blimey. That wasn't the end of the world. And that's it. Done. Oh my gosh, is that it? I'm in shock at how easy it was. This is The Female Struggle Is Real. Hello and welcome to The Female Struggle Is Real. Very, very excited about this episode uh, because we're going to be talking about those fantastic mammary glands found on your chest otherwise known as boobs. We're going to be hearing some of your three-word boob reviews. Small, round and peachy. Peachy! Ooh! <laughs> we will finally find out the answer to this all-important urban myth. Can yeah. you go on a plane with a boob job? <laughs> and find out how I got on as a special boob event. Oh, glue gun. Wonderful. Don't worry, I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't trying to uh, do my own surgery there. It'll all be explained. On a more serious note, though, um, I'm also going to be talking about boob health, how you should check your boobs, um, what the signs are, what you should look for. Um, I'm going to be talking to one of Copperfield's boob bets, and there's more on this later. But if you have experienced um, either, you know, breast cancer yourself or possibly a member of your family um, has experienced it, I would absolutely love to hear from you. As always, you can tweet me at MJ Real Davis. Feel free to direct message me um, if it's a bit sensitive, or you can email the female struggle at gmail.com. 
First of all, though, please can we celebrate the wonderful things that are our breasts. My breasts can always tell when it's going to rain. Really? Hi, this is Karen Smith. It's 68 degrees and there's a 30% chance that it's already raining. Now the question is, do I take my bra off? Because then in the morning, there'll be two jellies sliding down a plate. Look, that's the only trouble. No, I better put my bra on. No, but then he'll see me wearing a bra in bed and that would look odd. No, I'm going no bra. And let's hope when I turn over, I don't do the breast clap. No. No. I was in a hotel room on my own and I got trapped in my bra. I was in a hotel room, I was fastening my bra. Uh, nice lady at the front there, tell me, when you fasten your bra, are you a back fastener or you front and swizzle? Front and swizzle. The rest of you are freaks. What absolute classics there. Um, obviously, Mean Girls. I had to put that Miranda breast clap in. Um, and Sarah Millican uh, live at the Apollo to finish it off. Now, I had to put that Sarah Millican clip in because I think I've mentioned this before. Um, I have a WhatsApp group with um, some of my close female friends from home called the Ladies' Council. And um, someone actually messaged me the other day saying, this group sounds amazing. Like, please, can I join? And I was like, oh, God, I'm really sorry. It's literally just me and my close friends. But maybe I'll do this in the future this would be a brilliant idea um anyway my friend becca put in the group the other day (laughs) that she was having a full-blown debate with her boyfriend about the whole um doing your bra up at the back or do you front and twizzle and it sparked absolute outrage um from a lot of my friends i've always been a back doer upper i'm sorry guys i just have um not in a weird way but i remember when i was really really little um seeing my mum doing up her bra at the back and so i don't know i've just always done it like that and to me it's like the most natural thing ever Uh, but clearly some of you find it absolutely impossible Um, so what I'm going to do if you're keen is set up a little poll on my Twitter at mjrealdavis and we will find out what the majority of women do are you a back doer upper or a front twizzler we will find out now our boobs are there with us every single day they've seen us through some hard times they've been with us uh, through the good times but how would you describe your boobs um i remember having a discussion with my cousin once about nipple size and i always said that uh my nipples are about the size of a two pence piece which i think is all right isn't it but boobs come in all different shapes and sizes uh it depends on your body shape on your body size so i went down to copperfield HQ. Um, If you don't know, Copperfield is an absolutely fantastic breast awareness charity. You'll hear more about them later. Um, But I asked some of the women who work there in the office how they would describe their boobs. Fun to hold. Um, My best asset. I was going to go saggy and sassy, but I'm not going to say that. that. (laughs) Don't do that. Oh, sorry, you recorded. No, no, that's fine. (laughs) Saggy and sassy. Normal for me. My ice gems. Pert, perky and plump. I don't know why I found that so hilarious there at the end. I don't know, it sort of feels naughty talking to, um, you know, women you don't really know very well about their breasts and asking asking them to describe them. Um, but anyway, made me think about how I describe my breasts. And uh, because everyone else has done it, I feel like I should get into the spirit of it. So uh, I would say mine are 
A good handful. There we go. There are my three words to describe my boobs. Now, as a lot of you probably know, um, it was International Women's Day recently. Of course, I did an International Women's Day podcast special. Um, But on the actual day itself, I went down to an amazing event where I live in Southampton um, called Pimp Your Bra. And uh, the idea was uh, that you take an old bra along, you sort of jazz it up a bit by sewing bits on. And while I was there, I caught up with Jo. Now, Jo is one of Copperfield's boobettes. She goes around the country sharing her story and hopes to raise awareness for boob health. Look, your bra's so too fancy. Really. I know. I know. Well, I, I was just saying, I recently gave all of my old ones to a charity shop. I know, and I didn't think. Well, I only kept this one because it was quite pretty, but it's actually incredibly uncomfortable. So, um, you're a boobette. I am. So, tell me about that, Joe. What is a boobette? So, boobettes are basically ambassadors for the charity Copperfield, um, which was set up back in 2009, uh, essentially to get people to check their boobs. Um, so, a lady called Chris uh, was diagnosed with um, stage 4 breast cancer uh, at the age of 23, um, which is stupidly young. and. If you don't know, stage four is the last stage. There isn't a stage five. So she's now incurable. Um, She's now 31. She was 22 or 23 when she was diagnosed. So she's, you know, doing a good job. Um, But yeah, fundamentally, there is no cure for her. Um, And so she set up Copperfield uh, with the sole aim of getting people to be more aware of the signs and symptoms, to understand that actually age uh, isn't a factor and that it can, you know, happen at any age, that it affects um, men and women, um, and basically to get people to check regularly, uh, understand what's normal for them and if anything's not right, um, to go and see a GP. So, um, how did you get involved then with Copperfield and with being a boobette yourself? So, I, uh, when I was 31, I found uh, a lump myself and went and got it checked out. Luckily, my GP was a legend and sent me to the breast unit in Winchester. Um, they did an ultrasound um, and it came back that it was cancer. Um, so, I had um, treatment um, and, you know, I'm absolutely fine now. I'm now 35. Um, so yeah just over four years ago now and yeah I'm doing all right so can't complain Um, so yeah I started back in 2016 um, and go to various places like workplaces WI groups schools colleges unis um, random bra workshops um, and you know tell people my story and try to make it less scary try to sort of take away some of the you know fear that I think people have about you know checking in the first place and, and try and educate people so that they know that actually it could happen to them but you know if they do check regularly and they know what's normal for them so that then they can know what isn't normal then they can get it checked out it's always weird I feel like the um, sort of fear of checking your boobs because ultimately you're scared of finding something and then realising that you have got cancer yeah but the earlier you check and the earlier you find it, the earlier it can be dealt with. Yeah, totally. I mean, I was lucky. I didn't check regularly before. I happened across my lump and it was an aggressive form. So, you know, it was lucky that I found it when I did. Um, 
the earlier you get it, the, the easier the treatment is and the, the greater the chances of survival. So, yeah, definitely early detection is the key. So can we talk about how you check your boobs? Because if Certainly. I'm honest, I don't have a clue. <laughs> <laughs> so talk me through it, Joe. OK, so there is no right and wrong. Uh, I think the most important thing is to understand how far and wide the breast tissue goes. So it's not just the bit that sticks out at the front. Um, it goes all the way into the armpit and it goes all the way up to the collarbone. So it's a case of just, I mean, certainly the way that I do it is I use two or three fingers and just run, you know, sort of press and run my hands along the top of the collarbone down into the armpit and then around the boob itself. Um, and you're just looking, I mean, in terms of lumps, obviously that's going to be relatively obvious, but then there's other things to look out for as well. So, um, any changes in the nipple itself, if it becomes inverted, if there's any discharge, if there's any bleeding, any um, crustiness, um, other things, uh, any sort of so, uh, size or shape change, chances are it isn't anything to worry about. But any, any change um, that isn't right for you, then just go and see the GP. Okay, so say hypothetically, um, if I were to find a lump, and obviously initially went into complete panic because I'm one of these people that if I find anything that's abnormal I just <laughs> think the worst scenario? yeah google it and it's just a nightmare <laughs> don't ever google yeah so uh would I then go straight to my doctor yeah I mean I, there's no there's no reason to put things off if you're checking regularly you're going to know what uh sort of changes happen to you from a hormonal point of view as part of um like monthly changes and that sort of thing um so once you've sort of got a baseline of what's normal for you and then you continue to check after that you're going to notice more easily if something has then changed um, so yeah if you find anything don't sit and wait go and see a gp straight away and i know you've touched on it as well um obviously as a sort of like youngish woman myself i'm 26 i sort of feel a little invincible in terms of you know oh cancer that's an old person's thing you know my my grandparents have had cancer sort of thing they're like in their 80s but that isn't the case no I mean just thinking about boobettes so the boobettes are a bunch of people that have either had breast cancer themselves they've had like a close relative whether it be sister mum someone like that who has had a diagnosis of breast cancer or it could be someone that's had preventative surgery because they know that they have the BRCA1 or 2 gene mutation and the fact that we've got over 100 boobettes all under the age of 35 sort of says that actually it's not an older person's disease and that it can happen to anyone and actually Chris the lady who um, set up Copperfield is the biggest example of that you know she was 22 23 I think when she was diagnosed you know cancer doesn't discriminate if it wants to come and bite you on the bum then that's what it's going to do um so yeah don't don't sort of don't sort of think that because you're young that you're exempt. Could you tell me a little bit about your treatment and the mm. process you went through to yes. where you are now? So uh, the first, um, I sort of had three parts of, of my treatments. So the first bit that I had was surgery. So the um, the lump that I had, the tumour was two, about two and a half centimetres. Um, and because I had lovely, luscious double Ds. Um, <laughs> yes, lucky I know, for some. <laughs> I know. Um, I actually managed to get away with having a lumpectomy. Um, and so they did that, um, took the lump out, and then I had chemotherapy. Uh, and then following that, I had radiotherapy. Uh, so chemotherapy was vile. 
wouldn't recommend it to anyone ever. I hope that I never ever have to repeat that experience because it was just the worst. What about it was so awful, you know, as someone who hasn't been through it? It's hard because it's so different for everyone. So you could speak to a thousand people and their, their individual experience of it would be completely different to the last. Uh, for me, it wasn't so much the physical aspects of it, it just made me feel thoroughly depressed. And I had a chat about a year ago with a, another friend who's had chemo and we likened it to the Dementors in Harry Potter. Right, okay. You know how they sort of come along and just suck the soul and the joy out of everything? We were like, that is exactly what it's like, it's the Dementors. Um, so yeah, no one likes that scene. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd liken it to. Um, so what can we do to help raise as much awareness as possible to check your boobs? definitely talk more I think we, we need to sort of change the perception of breast I mean all cancers to be honest but change the perception of breast cancer as being an older person's disease uh, make people aware that it can and it does happen to younger people make them aware that actually it doesn't mean that you're going to die just because you find a lump doesn't mean you're going to die it doesn't mean that you're necessarily going to have to have chemotherapy and you're going to lose your hair it could be that actually you would be okay with you know just some surgery so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's the worst thing in the world but yeah I mean the, the key message that I would have to give people is that it is all about early detection and that if you can find it early then you're still gonna come through it you know the other side I just think you're amazing to be perfectly honest I don't, I don't know how you've gone through all of that and you're still so positive and uh, you know spreading the word to everyone um, and I promise that as soon as I pimp my bra I'm going to go home and I'm going to check my boobs have a good old squeeze I promise <laughs> It was so great to meet Jo and um, I think what's so lovely about her is that she has turned this really, really horrible personal experience um, into something completely positive. You know, she's getting out there, she's a volunteer, going to all these events, making sure that other women don't go through what she's been through. Um, and I just think that's absolutely fantastic. Obviously, if you want any more information um, at all about how you can help raise awareness for breast cancer, get to the Copperfield website, uh, which is literally copperfield.org. Later on in the podcast, um, we're also going to be speaking to Annie. Now, Annie um, had breast cancer as well, um, but her story is completely different to Joe's. Much like Jo, she's turned her experience into something really positive now, which is so lovely to hear. Um, but her story is absolutely heartbreaking. I felt utterly defeminized. I looked at myself in the mirror and it just didn't feel right. It didn't look right. It didn't feel right. I didn't feel like a woman anymore. But before we speak to Annie, we're going to speak to Amy. Uh, now, Amy is a huge fan of breasts as well, um, but for a completely different reason. Hi. Hello. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Um, first of all, I hope you don't mind me asking this, but, you know, everyone on the podcast has got to get involved. Um, yeah. Can you describe your boobs to me in three words? Um... <laughs> very fake boobs <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely amazing so talk to me about your boobs so I've had them done now for about seven years um started when I was about 21 and always wanted them done 
And then I broke up with my boyfriend. It's like, right, this is what's going to make everything better again. And had the boobs done. And uh, never looked back, really. They've, they've gone through some changes and um, ups and downs, quite literally. So um, <laughs> they, <laughs> they're finally at a, at a size that is uh, a good boob size. <laughs> Can I ask, if you don't mind, what size yeah. were you before you got them done, your kind of natural um, breasts? I was probably a 32A or B, very small to start with, in comparison to what I wanted. Um, and then ended up going, not meaning to go that big, but I ended up going to about an E or an F, which is still what I am now. But um, following various different surgeries, I went up to double F or a G at, at one point, And that was a step too far. <laughs> so I know you mentioned that obviously you broke up with your boyfriend and you were like, do you know what, I'm just going to do it. But apart <laughs> from that, was there anything else that really made you kind of want to get them done? Like what was the clincher that made you think, do you know what, I'm going to do it now? Well, I just really didn't have much there. I'd always wanted something because I think, you know, you can have curves wherever you like, but not everyone's happy with the curves wherever they have them. And I'd always wanted a bit more of a curve up the top than anywhere else. And I just thought, well, you know what? I've got some time on my hands now and I don't have to worry about what anyone else thinks. And great fun ever since. So talk me through, like, the procedure. Like, how does it work? Do you have a consultation yeah. first? So um, they bring you in. Um, you'll meet with, um, like, a rep first. And usually they, the rep will stay as your sort of go-to first point of contact um, throughout the process and then usually afterwards. Um, and then they set you up um, in the next week or two with a surgeon. And my advice would always be to keep on seeing more surgeons until you find one that you're happy with, um, which I didn't do. But he was he was a great surgeon. He just, um, you know, maybe I could have found a better one or someone that would do it slightly different or, you know, it's, it's all these different things add up. And sometimes when you get the results after, you're like, should have thought about it harder. Oh, really? <laughs> um, so w- w- yeah. what do you mean by that? Was there something, did something go wrong or? Well, I think the first was brilliant. The first time was brilliant, except um, I wasn't such a fan of the hospital. A lot of the companies themselves have their own hospitals um, directly so the company that I went to first had their um, hospital out in uh, Brentford um, and that was it was clean private hospital but it wasn't as nice as where I've been previously and then I had my second surgery with Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, 
or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Them as well, because um, I'd gone up and down in weight a little bit, and what happens with when you have um, implants, they sort of create a pocket around the implant like to seal it in, and obviously that means that your implant isn't going to end up somewhere across the other side of your body. And where I'd gained and lost a little bit of weight, the pocket of that had created a bit of a space, um, so the implant, in effect, could turn over on itself, um, so the back part of the implant is flat, and that was at the front which isn't great because you get an angular boob um, and it means you have to turn it around and in my case have more surgery um, that the pocket was just the only way you could really fix it was either having a reduction or going bigger which was why I ended up going that much bigger and it was too much in the end um, so you know realistically when when something like that happens the thought process that I went through was just like oh great bigger boobs and not okay I'm happy with what I've got let's look at alternative options uh, in effect, this is your body, so you're going to have to look at this for the rest of your time that you have, whichever surgery you have. You know, you want to make sure that you're the happiest you can be with the results that you have. So um, I know you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but as a woman, can you kind of like work out why um, you were so keen to kind of have bigger boobs? I think it just felt more womanly to have boobs back then when I was 21 and, and didn't have anything I was just like I just want boobs I just want a womanly shape and I just want it to be like that and no one really was that really slender lovely smaller chested but had a brilliant figure there was no one really in the public eye who had that everyone had boobs everyone had a curve and now of course you know there are loads of different body shapes out there of course there are but that was it when I was 21, it seemed to be like everyone had boobs and everyone had a great figure. And it was kind of, I suppose, it was just fashion, boob fashion at the time. Can I ask you about your reduction? Because So yes. um, just to get this straight, so you had your first um, enlargement, then you had yeah. another enlargement because of the air pocket implant thing. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then at that stage, did you decide that your boobs were almost too big? Yeah, I mean, I've, I'm a size 10 or 12 sort of and again I still yo-yo between those two sizes so if you've got double fg boobs that's really big on a small frame and I looked one day and I thought god that is a really big pair of boobs two years ago now a year and a half ago two years I said right enough is enough let's have a look at reduction now um, and as it is I've gone back down to what the size that I first started at which was a an e or an f and I'm much happier that way they're still big they're still boobs they're still there they're just more manageable and they don't look so huge because I think when you have such a big implant as well it's heavy they're really heavy points and you don't look so neat and tidy when you've got clothes on and if you wear something baggy you know you look quite big and a little bit wider than you'd probably like to reductions are always a a good backup plan (laughs) um and can you please settle this myth um that I've heard like a million times can you go on a plane with a boob job (laughs) yeah they advise um a certain time after surgery not to go on um a long haul flight but again, that's for, I would say, your blood circulation and how, how your body is working after you've had major surgery, more so than the fact that the implants are going to erupt. <laughs> yeah. but, um, and, you know, you're carrying things about and lugging suitcases about as well around an aeroplane. And, you know, it's not good for the stitches and it's not good for the placement. <laughs> so... Um, best usually to um take someone nice and strong with you as well yes good plan we don't want wobbly boobs do we? no you don't want your implant to 
dislodge itself somewhere else. So. Oh gosh, no, we don't want a boob on our like stomach or something. No. That would be horrific. No, exactly. It's a different look. <laughs> um, do you get a lot of comments on your boobs now that you've had them done? Um, I think it's interesting because um, I'm very lucky that I suppose because I have gained and lost a little bit of weight, they have loosened up a bit, so they're not so stuck on. It happened yesterday. I went for a drink with someone that I was um, working with, and she said, you've got great boobs. I said, yeah, well, they're not mine, but thanks. <laughs> I would never have guessed, because I, I don't generally wear a lot of low-cut things, um, and what I do wear is usually quite baggy anyway, just because that's my style. But um, So you don't generally get to see them very often, but I know they're there, and obviously they are noticeable to other people. But... Um, yeah, it's really only when you get me in a bikini on the beach that you'd ever really know that I had such large boobs. Um, <laughs> and yeah, a lot of people don't really guess until I tell them. Maybe I should tell them. Do you get judged a lot when you tell people, you know, like you said to your friend yesterday, oh, well, they're not mine. Do people sort of look at you in an odd way or generally are people sort of accepting? Um, yeah, no one's been horrible about them. They're usually like, oh, I would never have guessed or, oh, I wouldn't have had you down for someone like that necessarily because, you know, I don't have anything else done. Um, and I suppose when you wear something that baggy all the time and no one really knows and you surprise them with the fact that you've had God knows how many surgeries, they're a bit surprised. But generally speaking, I think um, my, my boyfriend's mum was apparently not a big fan of surgery and she hasn't said anything to me about her thoughts on it at all. Um, so some people, I suppose, I do generally try and be a bit more careful if I think that someone might be a bit funny about them because... Ultimately, I would like to stick up for myself, but I do appreciate that other people have used too. And generally, just finally, any advice for anyone who may be listening to this podcast and thinking, oh, do you know what? I'd quite like to have my boobs done. Okay, go in there with all of your worries and your fears about surgery and about the things that you have heard about the surgeries, whether it be the way that your boobs are full afterwards. And unfortunately for me, it's been for a long time, I don't actually have a hell of a lot of feeling in them. So if you want to keep the feeling there, maybe surgery isn't for you. But make sure you ask loads of questions. More questions, the better. See as many surgeons if you, until you find someone that you feel comfortable with. And then afterwards, make sure that you get your full um, understanding on how to look after yourself, how long you should take off work, and write it all down. Um, because if you ever come to a point where you aren't happy or something has happened, at least you can say, right, well, this is what I was expecting. This is what's happened. Now, is that okay? Is that not okay? Just always make sure that you keep in touch with your rep. Take loads of pictures because that's the best way of keeping a track on how your uh, recovery is going. I think that's probably the best info I could probably give you on that. Um, having had four surgeries now and a, a bit of tweaking. So that's probably the best. <laughs> um, well, Amy, I just love the sound of your very fake boobs. They sound absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Um, so thank, oh, you, thank uh, you. Thank you so much for talking You're to me. You're very welcome. I'm so glad Good you luck, everyone. super positive about boobs. It's brilliant. Always. It's great. <laughs> Amy is so great. Um, I love how open she was. We're just talking about uh, numerous different surgeries, airports, pockets, nipples, you know, the full works. And she's not worried about telling anyone as well about her, you know, two enlargements and reduction. And I think that's so wonderful to be so honest about, you know, uh, how you look and about your boobs. Um, and it's definitely something we should all do more, you know, talk about your boobs. And that's what I'm going to do right now with Annie. So Annie, um, I'm asking everyone on the podcast this same question. Can you please uh, describe your boobs in three words? Healthy positive, natural. Annie, um, tell me tell me about what happened then. Okay, so in 2009, I was 25 and I had quite 
an unhealthy lifestyle in terms of going out too much and getting drunk and smoking and not really looking after myself and working really long hours um, in recruitment in the city. So I never kind of caught up with myself in terms of sleep and health. Um, I used to go on electronic sunbeds um, and I went on holiday and when I came back, I found out that I had um, a lump in my right breast. I went to the doctor. He said, you're 25, there's no way that this is going to be anything sinister. It's probably a swollen lymph node or something along those lines. Um, But two weeks later... I was diagnosed with grade three, very aggressive breast cancer. Okay, so, you know, between that appointment going to the doctors and him saying, or him or her, sorry, saying, uh, no, it's probably nothing, nothing to worry about. What made you think, actually, hang on, no, this is not normal. I need to get this double checked. I know my body and it was too big and too alarming and too obvious not to ignore it. Um, I wasn't overly health conscious. (laughs) I smoked and drank, you know, a lot. Um, But I just couldn't leave it. I could feel it. Every time I get dressed, I could feel it. It was the size of a golf ball. So I just pursued, pursued, pursued. I went to the doctor. He said, look, I really don't think it's anything. I said, well, that's great. Let's have it in writing just for that peace of mind. Um, If you had a huge lump growing out of your leg, you wouldn't leave it. So it's no different to the breast. When you obviously got diagnosed, um, what happened then? So I was diagnosed and I was offered um, different treatment. He he gave me two options. He said, look, we cannot have a mastectomy, go for chemo to see if we can reduce the tumour. Um, or we could also go for a mastectomy and then have chemo. And straight away, I said, no, it needs to be removed. I want it off. I want it gone. I wanted a mastectomy. I then had a course of six months of chemotherapy, 18 months of Herceptin treatment, which is a treatment that changes the cells in the body um, so that the cancer is less likely to come back radiotherapy, IVF treatment to preserve my eggs and I had delayed reconstruction to my breasts and stomach two years later. So what was it like making that decision that you were going to have a single mastectomy? To be honest, because this sounds really strange, it was it was a very quick decision. He told me in this hour and a half meeting where I sat with my mum holding my hand, he said, look, you need to think about this. And I thought, I, I genuinely thought there is nothing to think about. I have cancer. It needs to go. Take the breast off. Gone. I think making that decision was definitely the right thing to do. But I didn't prepare myself for how I would feel as a woman waking up from that surgery after having my breast removed. And how did you feel? Can you describe that? First of all, I felt quite relieved that it had gone and the cancer had gone. And the first thing my surgeon said to me was, look, we've got it all out. It's gone. Brilliant. But then I felt utterly, utterly um, defeminized. I I looked at myself in the mirror and it just didn't feel right. It didn't look right. It didn't feel right. All my clothes had to change. Um, 
I I didn't feel like a woman anymore. Can I just ask, and I hope you don't mind me asking this, but just to kind of really um, spell it out to those that don't necessarily know anyone that's had a mastectomy. So your obviously your right breast was completely removed, the whole thing, but you still had your left breast. Yes. You mentioned it just a moment ago, but in terms of clothing and wearing bras and stuff like that, how, how does that work? Oh, so horrible. So um, I woke up from surgery and they were like, right, you can't wear a bra for like six weeks. But when your sight, as they call it, your sight, your empty chest is um, healed, we will uh, fit you out with um, a prosthetic uh, bra, uh, sorry, a prosthetic breast, uh, which would go in a special mastectomy bra. And I just remember just walking around, covering my chest with my arms folded because I didn't want anyone to see. I felt really ashamed. I felt really unattractive. Um, And I just... I just felt really like I'd done a degree in fashion and I was always really interested in fashion. I remember going shopping with my best friend and trying on all these different dresses and jumpers and baggy T-shirts. It was the summer, it was hot, people had their legs out, people had their necks exposed. And I can do that with my chest and it felt like it wasn't me anymore. Um, So my... My solution was to get rid of my clothes and not to buy any new ones. I became quite depressed about it, about how I looked, um, because confidence and dressing is quite a big thing. How did you get round it in the end then? So my mum took me to a special mastectomy bra shop, which was really expensive. Um, But she said, look, it's worth it. Um, The bras range from like £60 to like £200 each. Um, My mum bought me three bras, which was so kind of her. But then I was able, because of how they supported my chest and my new uh, fake breast, I felt like I could wear normal clothes again. And what I mean by normal clothes is anything that went over my head. Oh, 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 Annie. Oh, my gosh. I just can't even imagine what that must be like, you know, to be faced with, I can't wear a T-shirt because that will look completely bizarre to have, you know, one breast. Were there any moments where you were like, do you know what, actually, yes, I've had a mastectomy because I've gone through this horrible, horrible experience and I'm just going to own this one breast and go out and show the world what I've been through? Yes, I did, actually. And it was the day where my friend, Teresa, shaved my head because my hair was falling out from the chemo. I was so miserable and so lonely and so depressed. And I thought, it can't get any worse than this. So I put on my new wig, which, again, was beautiful, um, natural hair, didn't look fake at all, put on a dress with my bra and my prosthesis and I went out clubbing and it was the best night I had that year. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) Well done, you. Oh, confidence queen. I love it. (laughs) How does it feel now? You know, you've gone through that experience. You've you've had the all clear. Am I right in saying that? Yes. Yes, yes, which is amazing news. Um, How do you feel now? How do you kind of carry on with life now? Am I right in thinking you're married and you've got children? Yeah, so I'm married, I've got two kids, I don't have time to breathe in terms of being really busy. (laughs) Um, But my body image is still really important to me, you know, like, like any other woman, I'm constantly questioning my weight, my appearance, 
Um, but I buy nice clothes. It's nearly nine years on from when I had my mastectomy, but I was asked to do a speech at a very big ball for ASDA and Breast Cancer Now and Breast Cancer Care in November. And I saw a dress that I loved, full-length sequins, but it had a low neck. I have never worn something like that before on show because it shows my scars, but I did it. And I felt amazing. And for me, that was the pinnacle moment when I knew that actually there's nothing to be ashamed of. I had a mastectomy. I took responsibility for my own health eventually. And that's part of me. And I've got a big story behind it. So it's fine. Oh, Annie, that is that is just so wonderful. And I bet you looked amazing in that sequin dress. I love the sound of it. Thank you. <laughs> um, really quickly, can you just tell me about your new book you've got coming out? Because this sounds wonderful. Oh, yes. So my book's called Love and Remission. Um, and it's coming out on the 20th of June, published by Trigger Press. And um, my friend, Samantha Brick, who is a writer, um, helped me to write this. And it's a story about how I was diagnosed with cancer, so decided to start internet dating. Um, It really talks about my mental health journey from mastectomy to marriage to the beginning of having children. Um, And I hope that it will be a positive message to many that are going through trauma that you can live well while you're still here. Anyone that's possibly faced in the future with, um, you know, the decision of whether to have a mastectomy or not, what would you say to them? I would say I understand the fear, but please do it. Look at me. Look at my chances of survival. I only had 30% chance of survival. That was with a mastectomy. Yes, okay. It, it, It makes you feel like you're losing a part of you, but life does get better. Um, I had nothing. I had cancer and basically a death sentence ahead of me. I had my mastectomy. And within that, it removed the cancer. It's just non-negotiable when it comes to your health. Oh, Annie, well, I just... I just love how positive you are. It is amazing. And I understand, obviously, through parts of your treatment, I'm sure you hit absolute rock bottom. But the fact that you've come out the other side, like you say, with only 30% chance of survival, absolutely owning your body now and your boobs. I just love it. So thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. Lovely to speak to you. Oh, everyone has just been so, so great on this podcast. It's honestly been one of my uh, favourite ones. I've just spent the last month chatting to all my friends, you know, people at work, people I don't even know about their breasts. And I just think that is so wonderful. Um, So please, uh, now or when you get home, if you're, you know, on public transport or something, please, please have a squeeze of your boobs. Um, It's so important. It's, it's, you know, it's just worth checking. If you find anything amiss, go to your GP. Um, But, you know, as the lovely women that have been on the podcast have said, it's probably nothing. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you love it, I really, really appreciate um, any shares, any um, retweets, um, even just telling a friend about the podcast. You know, that's how new people find out about it Um, and I just love it when I get a little message pop in my Instagram inbox saying oh I've listened to your podcast and um, I really like this bit or whatever it honestly means so much to me so um, please do if you like the podcast send me an email as always if there's anything you want to talk about if you've got a great story you'd love to share um, my email is thefemalestruggle at gmail.com and you can tweet me as well at mjorealdavis right that is me off guys I'm off to squeeze my boobs
subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.